This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And now it's time for the Scores Bears Post Post Game Show, starring score football expert and former NFL player, Anthony Heron on Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans, always live on the free Odyssey app. Well, that was a result. I think a lot of us have good reason to be disappointed about from the Chicago Bears. But just the latest example of this, not quite yet, being a team that you can count on to be able to close out games. It was an Atlanta Falcons roster. I predicted in the pregame, the Bears matching up well against two weeks in a row. It's the first time in consecutive weeks I've picked the Bears during the pregame show with myself and Mully and Patrick Manley to win a game. And second week in a row that uh, the result has been different than I predicted. Chicago Bears lose to the Atlanta Falcons 27-24. I am Anthony Heron, like big voice guy I told you there. This is the Post Post Show on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. And uh, the Atlanta Falcons now 5-6 and six on the season. They are in the second place in the NFC South Division. Bears move to 3-8, and eight, fall to 3-8 and eight on the year. And I know that a lot of us, a lot of you certainly out there, uh, aren't as concerned with the Bears' record on the season, and understandably so, because it is not a season that the Bears resourced their roster and showed over the offseason that they were looking to win at the highest of levels, trying to clean up cap space and all that good stuff. But that being said, they do have 53 players active and dressed for these games. There are a variety of talent that the Bears are putting out there that will need to be evaluated. And uh, chief amongst those, Justin Fields, the quarterback. But as I continue to remind people, as confident as myself and others might be, and I know everybody's not in the same boat in that regard, but as confident as myself and some others might be that Justin Fields will continue to develop into a top-flight quarterback, that still doesn't mean that that answers all the questions for the Chicago Bears. would love to hear from you out there. 
3126476767. I'm taking you up to Sunday night football coverage here on the score as the Chargers will host the Chiefs. You will hear that game here on the score. But until that point, I'm with you for uh, for well over an hour here. So let me hear from you. Go ahead, hit me up, give me a call, and uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what happened in Atlanta today. I would say the 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 basic premise of how I feel about things coming out of that game. It was kind of the, I'd say, a perfect combination of things. Kind of when you look at the the result of the game, when you look at the way that the game played out, that's kind of the the consummate game for kind of the the way that Justin feels that the Chicago Bears get discussed on social media. Um, this was sort of the perfect scenario for that to play out because it was, I think it captured a lot of the, the Twitter hysteria that we tend to see, you know, like the, the, the lunatic fringe, if you will, was kind of on display from both ends of this thing, because, you know, the, the question of a couple of the main questions that have come up in recent weeks, like does Luke Getze call too many QB runs and you get Justin Fields kind of peeling himself up off the ground, 18 rushing attempts for the bears quarterback in the game today. You also have the other part of the crowd wondering whether or not the Bears can put a late game drive together and feeling like that's certainly an important step for the Bears offense, that this is something that will need to show itself as a proving ground for Justin Fields and the Bears passing attack. And then you just kind of have the, I'd say the third category is just kind of the folks out there that that just view this whole season as basically like a, a rooster illusion. Like it just it doesn't matter. Like there's really nothing happening of any importance that remains here in all these games because they feel comfortable and confident with the Bears quarterback that they've got that guy and then everything else will just begin to matter next season. And yeah, you know, I'd say all of those are, are are different versions of what what's probably what I'd certainly be willing to term as the lunatic fringe because they're all way way too extreme for for how to view this thing through my lens, in my opinion, because I do feel comfortable and confident that the Bears have the right quarterback in Justin Fields. That being said, that doesn't mean that's the end of the equation. These are important games. They're important moments of development for him. Whether these moments all end in, in wins or losses, I don't believe that some sort of a final defined perspective has to be formed where there's this this consensus after each individual game that this means, well, it's obvious Justin Fields can't win at this level because he didn't lead a game-winning drive. That, that, that's not anything that should be determined in final, but also because we have seen him make plays and be exciting and at times be precise. And a lot of us may project what he will become and believe that that will happen at a high level moving forward here, that, in my opinion, doesn't mean that none of this matters either. There there are six games remaining in this regular season. We'll see. You know, he bangs up the left shoulder there late in the game. Hopefully, he'll be able to play the majority of these games. Mully and I were – I was certainly laughing hysterically when I was uh, filling in on Parkinson Spiegel the other day on Thursday when I was in there with Mully and we had a, a caller towards the end of the show suggest or I guess he posed the question whether or not the Bears should just you know sort of sit Justin Fields down for the remainder of the year and kind of prepare for next season and that again is another very very extreme perspective on the scenario here and I'm in the camp that believes yes wins and losses 
won't matter as much this year because the Bears told us with the way they handled the offseason that that wins were not going to, to come at a high level this year. But Justin Fields and a bunch of other players on offense and a bunch of other players on defense will still be a part of this team moving forward. And I think it's fair to say there's not going to be 52 new individuals dressing alongside Justin Fields next year. So you want to see progress. You want to be able to evaluate who can be a part of that, who can be a part of a winning equation, a winning culture, who can be a starter on that squad next season and beyond, who's going to be a backup on that squad next season and beyond. And you know who are the guys who, if they're still going to be here, just you can't necessarily count on them in these key moments. All that matters as a part of this equation. And it doesn't mean that some sort of a, a final determination on Justin Fields as an elite MVP caliber Hall of Fame QB, that that's been achieved yet. It also it also doesn't mean that there's some sort of a final determination on whether or not Justin Fields can't get it done either. It is a process. And there's so many folks who, because we watch the game on Sunday and that's all you get to see, then, then it, it just seems like even people who, who watch this stuff consistently love talking about it and tweeting about it, evaluating it, and then you watch what happens on Sunday and you forget that there are six other days of the week with meetings and practice time and film study and weightlifting and everything else that prepares these players for those moments. And then you get to see the final result of that. And talk about a few of the guys who who I really did think, you know, some positive things happened with them on the field today and certainly some standout individuals who who didn't have strong days as well in addition to Justin Fields and this Bears offense and Luke Getze. You know, the world turned on Luke Getze real quick at the end of that game today. This man went from being the next rising star and stud as a head coach to suddenly, and who knows how much longer Twitter's going to exist, but while it does, man, that is quite the area. That is quite the spot for the lunatic fringe to come out there. A lot of folks out on Luke Getze all of a sudden. Also, let's get a few phone calls in here before I take my first time out of 312 Six four four six seven six seven. Anthony Heron leading you up to a Horizon Therapeutic Bears Monday here on the score. But for tonight, taking you up to Sunday night football coverage on the score. Let's get out to the hotline. We've got Steve who is out in Peoria. Steve, what's happening? Hey, Anthony. I guess part part of that lunatic fringe then. But uh, I, I question Luke Getzey. Okay, how many two minute drills have you seen or that I've seen? go with two runs to begin it when you're down three points and you need points. I thought they were supposed to develop fields. And to me, developing means passing in a two-minute drill, not just running. So I question Getsy's uh, acumen, you might say, or his, Mm -hmm. you know, qualifications as to, uh, you know, running the offense. I know he's young in that, but he better take a lesson from this real hard. I feel you, Steve. I do. And I think it's more than valid to to question Luke Getzey's play calling late in games there. I believe that myself and others should attempt to be consistent in moments like this where, you know, like I referenced, there, there are some folks out there who feel like, you know what, the, the fact that Justin Fields hasn't had a, you know, a 30-plus or a 40-plus pass attempt game yet this season is some sort of a failure on the Bears' offense, on Luke Getze. They don't want to see him running around anymore. They want to just see this volume passing approach. That, to me, is is too extreme a way to look at things. But also, when you get into these late-game moments, the defense, in theory, is is prepared for a drop-back passing approach. And 
whether it's been on third and longs, whether it's been at the end of halves, at points even late in games. Like think about that touchdown run that was not against the Minnesota Vikings because of a, a phantom holding call that was there on Amir Smith-Marset or other moments where Justin Fields has taken off for long chunk plays late in games to, to get them within striking distance of, of big plays. You know, the, the game against Washington, against the Commanders, that ends up in the, the double catch, the double clutch catch that wasn't a game-winning touchdown because it was bobbled initially by Darnell Mooney before he was able to reel it in. By the time he caught it, he was outside the end zone. But there was a chunk run from Justin Fields in that scenario. Now, those were scramble plays. They were not called QB runs. And so I, I do, I talked about it on Bears Post Game Live with my guys Jim Miller and Luke Kanellis that I do think there's more than reasonable questions about the play calling there from Luke Getze. And so I wouldn't say that caller Steve would necessarily be a part of the lunatic friends unless Steve is in, you know, Luke Getze has no idea what he's doing. But I think just to question, like, they're not executing late in game in that moment, those play calls, a couple of QB runs starting out the series, I, I think that was more than worthy of question, not just as a macro perspective, not just sort of this, this uniform, like you should never run the quarterback late, but the flow of the second half, you didn't necessarily see explosive runs, chunk, chunk runs from Justin Fields in that scenario. And so, you know, back-to-back versions of that in, in a two-minute scenario, less than two minutes really, on the clock trying to drive to win and you got timeouts. Yeah, I get it. You utilize the guy's legs. That is where the majority of your explosive plays, frankly, have come from over the past month plus. But it did seem odd to me to go back to back in that direction. Let's keep some phone lines. Keep the phone lines rolling here. 312-644-6767. James is out in Milwaukee. James, what's happening? Hey, big guy. How are you? Doing good, man. Hey, I don't think... I don't think this is about the development of Justin Fields. I think he's already developed. This 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 cat is really good, right? I think he's good, yes. Yeah, I mean and it's about how how we use him and how they're using him now is not good. It's it's almost malpractice coaching. We've seen this in the past over the years, Big Ant. Michael Vick, Randall Cunningham, RG3, all of them. This guy's got an arm on him. Let him go. All right? And and for full disclosure, I'm a Green Bay Packer fan. I, I bleed green and gold. All right? This kid is good. All right? I want to see him succeed, but they're they're abusing this kid, and he's going to get hurt. All right, and I, you know, one thing I respect Jim the fact that you're a Packers fan, you're in Milwaukee, but calling a Bears show and essentially sort of rooting for and paying respect to Justin Fields in that regard. Bears will, of course, see the Packers again here in a couple of weeks. You know, I, I, I think malpractice. It, it probably. That word that it's a it's a it's a big word, a harsh word, maybe a bit of an extreme word, uh, because I think that probably is more along the lines of what we saw in Justin Fields' first start against Cleveland last year as a rookie with a porous offensive line against that Browns pass rush and uh that from Matt Nagy, that was probably malpractice just watching that play out over and over and over again and not moving the pocket, not running the ball and 
you know, allowing Justin Fields to take that type of pounding. Um, I, I'd say that game plan was probably closer to, to malpractice to use a, you know, really broad sort of word, a, a very harsh and extreme word like that. You know, I think what we've seen in recent weeks has been an offense geared towards the strengths and the current ability levels of not only the quarterback, and this is what I continue to try to remind people of, the Bears' passing attack is not, and, and, and lack thereof as it relates to pass attempts, their run-pass ratio is not only about the QB. Whether or not Luke Getze and Matt Eberflus feel like Justin Fields has the, the acumen, the accuracy, the decisiveness to throw the ball with more volume, that only speaks to part of what we see from a play-calling perspective because also they need to be able to evaluate whether or not they think their offensive line can hold up consistently in pass protection if they go with a more volume passing approach. In addition to the offensive line, do they have wide receivers who consistently separate in these scenarios? These are all factors for the Bears' offense, for the Bears' passing attack, and how frequently they're willing and able to throw the football. Even on third downs, you know, I was talking to, uh, I think it was myself, uh, Mully, and Patrick Manley on pregame today, where Patrick was talking a little bit about, like, a, you know, third and long scenarios and, and wanting to see Justin Fields and, and, you know, them willing to allow him to throw the ball in some of those scenarios. First touchdown pass was what? I think a third and eight in the red zone. Think back to the early portion of the season, the first month of the season when they would get in the red zone and get to second and goal to go, third and goal to go, or long yardage scenarios in the red zone and the, the confines of, of the field there where it didn't feel like there was a lot of confidence in the Bears passing attack to execute in those scenarios. And I would say it back then, just like I'm saying right now, that's not only about whether or not you think the quarterback can execute there, but what happens on the Bears' first offensive drive today? Third and eight. From within the red zone, a touchdown pass on a scissors concept. They run sort of a, a cross switch where where you get the out route, the you know out cut. On essentially, uh, you know, they they cross the routes between Equinemius St. Brown and Darnell Mooney. Defenders run into each other. Justin throws it on time in rhythm, accurate pass to the back corner. Darnell Mooney makes a great grab for a touchdown. That's third and eight in the red zone. Is that a play call that Luke Gessie would have called in the initial weeks of the season? he probably wouldn't have been comfortable going in that direction on third and eight from within the red zone. But not only Justin Fields, his wide receivers, his offensive system as a whole have grown to that point. There was a third and seven later in the game. We made a, a nice completion on a whip route to, to Equinemius St. Brown. We're seeing third downs. This has become the most dangerous third down offense in football in recent weeks. A lot of it has been through the legs, the running ability of Justin Fields, but a lot of them have been past completions by Justin Fields and receptions by these wide receivers as well. So we're seeing an offense growing, but there is still most certainly ground to cover. Let's sneak another call in here before I go to a timeout. I see Jalen is in Chicago. What's happening, Jalen? Hey, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Uh, well, first of all, I want to start off with the fact of I feel like today's coaching plan, game plan, was kind of terrible. Um, second of all, I feel like they're hand, they're um, handicapping Justin Fields. Um, they're not letting the man make mistakes, um, mess up. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like you know they feel as that the running 
with the ball, running the ball with Justin Fields is helping them, but it's really not. I feel like he needs to feel the pressure. I think he feels needs to be uncomfortable. I don't get with today's game plan. What was going on with the uh, last couple of plays? Uh, I don't. I have. I didn't see no screens. I didn't see no game play screens. I didn't see no blitz count counters. I didn't see no delay uh, flat. Nothing. So it's like it's like. All right, you might not have all your pieces. You might not have all the pieces, but you got to work with what you got. So, you know, if you hey, if you have to bring in your fullback and headback to help out with the offensive line to even get a, a, a quick pass off, do that. Because, hey, our offensive line sucks anyway. So why not use your fullbacks? Why not use your headbacks to, to, to create more time for your quarterback to make plays? You know, you, can, you know he can run off the, off the runoff. And you know he he can he can do a lot of good things and play action. So where was that all today? You know, I just don't get it. Yeah, I feel you, Jalen. I do. And three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. We'll keep the phone lines rolling after I take my first time out here. But to the the caller Jalen's point there, I we saw not only David Montgomery in the game, seventeen carries for David Montgomery, but Tristan Ebner. A running back who got, or Tristan Ebner, excuse me, Tristan Ebner got his first really extended action of the season, his most extended action up to this point in the season. And I would say it's part of the issue that the Bears' offense had. Uh, Jalen was asking about the screen game there. I'll take a timeout and come back and, and get into a little bit of that. Just going, you know, Justin Fields specific, but then beyond that with the Bears' offense as well. They put up 24 points on the board and also this Bears' defense and, and some of the, the tweaks that we saw in their defensive philosophy today. 312-644-6767. I'm Anthony Heron on Twitter and Instagram at Big Ant Heron, taking you up to Sunday Night Football coverage here between the Chargers and the Chiefs on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Back with more of the Scores Bears post post game show with Anthony Heron on Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans. Always live on the free Odyssey app. Falcons got the ball first. They came out, drove right down on that Bears defense, put a touchdown on the board. Bears offense responded right back. That was good to see. Some uh, interesting clock management there. Towards the end of the first half, Atlanta got three out of it. Justin Fields ran out of bounds, stopping the clock with less than two minutes to go. That left some time available there. And then the defense allowed the the Falcons to get themselves into a position where they could get a 53-yard field goal. Um, Was that the 53-yard? They got a field goal before the end of the half, put some points on the board there. In a game where it felt like the Bears were, were beginning to seize control of the game and then weren't able to sustain the control of said game. And then from there, second half, yet another scenario here. And it's certainly become a big topic around town and those discussing the Bears. Another late-game opportunity after, and, you know, defense holds them to, that was the the 53-yard field goal. Defense holds them to a 53-yard field goal attempt that uh, their kicker is able to drill. Um, Was it Young Ho Koo was able to drill that 53-yarder for Atlanta, giving them a three-point lead. Bears get the rock. Two minutes on the clock. Got some timeouts to go. That's what you want to be able to do. You want to be able to convert in those scenarios. And the Bears have another example here where they were not able to 
that's not something that means it is the final evaluation of Justin Fields as a quarterback. Well, at the same time, it's not nothing. Like, these are on his resume. These are on the Bears' resume. These are on Matt Eberflus' and Luke Getze's resume. So I don't, I don't think it, you know, the, these two extreme points of view of none of this matters because Justin Fields will be an excellent quarterback moving forward or this means everything and, and Justin Fields has to figure this out. Neither of those extremes is, is the actual reality of the situation. You do have a second-year quarterback in his first year in an offensive system who is developing more anticipation and decisiveness as a passer, which will be required, which will be necessary to be able to execute at a high level, not only in late-game scenarios. There will be, at some point, some defense that is able to, and we saw some of that on display in the second half today, where the Falcons did have their version of a mini-buy. They had like 10 days between games. They looked very prepared for what Justin Fields and the Bears ended up throwing at them. My guy Jim Miller even pointed out before we heard from Justin Fields during Bears Post Game Live over on Fox 32, just a, a nice, a worthwhile reminder about being indoors, playing in a dome. And you saw several Bears players that appear to be struggling with some some tight, soft tissue issues, maybe some cramping from Justin Fields and his hamstring there. Then, of course, the shoulder that was that was bothering him that he banged up on that final drive of the game as well. But in the end, yes, you would like to see Justin Fields and the Bears offense be able to, to execute better late in games while, as I've pointed out frequently on this station, between last season and this season, there are a number of examples of Justin Fields being able to execute there. But do you want it all to continue to improve and grow and be executed at a higher level more consistently from a passing perspective? Yes, because especially with a porous defense, you can end up in scenarios where you're not able to control the game with the run, where you're not going to be able to stay as patient and stubborn with both the traditional run game and the QB run game. So there's a lot of different things, not only just those late game final two minute scenarios and where it's more predictable that you're going to throw the football there, but then also just, you know what? Your defense is going to give up some points when you're facing better offenses around football. And so if you get off to a slow start offensively, you can be down multiple scores in a game and go to perhaps more of a volume passing attack. So all these things certainly end up mattering in the evaluation of Justin Fields. It's just not the final evaluation. It's not this final referendum. It doesn't mean Justin Fields is trash. It doesn't mean he'll never develop those skills. Just like it, it doesn't mean, in my opinion, we shouldn't look at this like none of this matters. Because it does. The, these reps matter. There's a reason Justin Fields is playing and not like the caller, Tyler, on Thursday when I was filling in with, uh, with Mully for Parkinson's Beagle, said, eh, maybe the Bears just sit Justin Fields down for the rest of the year, get him ready for next season. You know, it's crazy talk. Silliness. Let's get back out to the phone lines at 312-644-6767. John is out in Peoria. John, you're on the Post Post Show. Hey, Anthony. How you doing, sir? Doing great, man. Okay, so I got a couple, point, a couple points, if I may. Um, one, they showed... I thought they did a real good job showing when Justin rolled out to the right. The defense, they said you got a high, medium, and low receiver, and they had two defenders on the low and the medium and one on the upper. So he had nowhere to throw the ball. So that scattered out pretty well. But then when you're in the pocket, and everybody wants to see Justin, or at least the announcers want to, not you, but the other announcers, they want to see Justin throw the ball more and like this and drop back. Well, you can't drop back in the pocket. One that he did, he dropped back, I don't know, seven or nine paces. But he's getting killed. And 
what is it, Schofield? I'm mispronouncing his name. Is number seventy nine. Yeah. Michael Schofield. Yep. That dude should not be on the field. <laughs> and I'm not so. I'm not really sure what Reef's doing over there either. I mean, Schofield. I saw him go stand there. Nobody was there. He started to go down to the left, and a guy just breezed right past him and went right at Justin. That guy's an open door. You do want Michael Schofield. Uh, sorry, I thought you were done with your point there. Uh, but you certainly do want Michael Schofield to to be able to to pick up those twist stunts. There were a number of times where the Atlanta Falcons threw, you know, we use the term games when, when you're talking defensive football, games, stunts, exotics up front, where even if it wasn't a full blitz package at times from the Falcons, you did see them using twist stunts up front with their defensive line that got home very consistently. And so even in scenarios where they just went with a more of a standard rush without twisting anyone. You know, I was talking about Grady Jarrett on the pregame show this morning. He is a handful. He is the the type, the caliber of three technique that, that teams hope for, especially within a, you know a a one gap attacking sort of defensive philosophy like Allen Williams and Matt Eberflus bring here to Chicago. And uh, man, he he is a monster up front. But then in addition to that, there were twist stunts, but when Grady Jarrett has been able to penetrate so effectively through the B-gap, through the outside shoulder of the guard, it really sets up that looper to be able to penetrate at a really high level. And we saw that work time and time again. Frequently it was against Michael Schofield, but we saw penetration coming from a variety of directions here. Also did see, because who knows, I may or may not get back around to it this evening, should point out Braxton Jones, you know, there's some one-on-one opportunities he held up really well in pass protection He's come such a long way, not only with the athleticism as a run blocker, but just his finish and his tenacity at the point of attack as a run blocker as well. Really liking the strides. And he's not, again, I'm not talking about Braxton Jones as a finished product here, but as a prospect for where he's at in his development right now, just week after week, I'm seeing very impressive things from Braxton Jones that I I can understand you know, why the Bears are excited about what the future can hold for him once you start getting, you know, some off-seasons and strength and conditioning program, you know, for him coming from the FCS level and and just where you want his physical development to potentially take him. But, you know, he's, he's certainly not – he's not some Pro Bowl left tackle yet, but there's a lot of potential in that young football player right there, and he did some nice things today. I see you out there on the phone line, Steve, Kent, Ed, Daryl. I see y'all out there waiting. Charles, we're going to get to all of you after I take a, a, a time out here. We'll get to the top of the hour so we can clean things up, and then we'll talk about everything that happened with the Chicago Bears against the Atlanta Falcons. I also want to talk about a couple of bright spots. One player who was, uh, I, I suppose, today was was a, a, a step, an ingredient in the direction of maybe reclaiming the, the good name of an individual Chicago Bear who a lot of folks have been down on who hadn't been on the field here in recent weeks. A lot to discuss leading up to Sunday night football coverage right here between the Chargers and the Chiefs. And then, of course, tomorrow, a Horizon Therapeutic Bears Monday. I'm Anthony Heron. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Yeah, we had it. We, we did do that, actually. Um, and then um, they kind of played more deeper than uh, they didn't want me to get over top of them. So um, we came back to it for sure. Um, but um, I think it was, on that play, it was just me for, uh, just being tired from previous plays of getting the ball, running, running deeper routes. And um, I was just kind of not 100% where I can run all the way just to like give myself a boost to get, get all the way to the ball. 
We're back with more of the Scores Bears post post game show with Anthony Heron on Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans. Always live on the free Odyssey app. We got Tyler Buterball playing that audio from Darnell Mooney, Bears wide receiver, who you know, had a, certainly made his fair share of plays today, had some targets in the game. Darnell Mooney on the day. Had five targets, came up with four grabs, 29 yards, and a touchdown. Now, on that play that he's describing there where Justin Fields misses a deep ball opportunity to Mooney, he was in one-on-one man coverage, and Mooney with an inside release separated from the defensive back, and Justin Fields narrowly overthrows him. And, you know, I mean, if there's anything in the evaluation of Justin Fields, I've talked about the draft cycle with the Bears quarterback quite a bit. And what we've seen from him early in his Chicago career, we know he throws a pretty deep ball and for the most part, an accurate deep ball. There have been a couple of times we've seen him miss guys with the deep ball as well. And that pass in today's game to Mooney was one of those. Now, what we saw the Falcons begin to do as the game wore on, certainly in the second half of the game that was effective for them was they went to more zone concepts because frankly, you know, they saw a situation where Darnell Mooney looked like he was maybe going to be in position to carve them up because the Bears were calling a number of pass plays in the first half of the game. And Fields and Mooney connected a couple of times. Fields and Fields and Komet were able to connect. And um, you know what? Falcons said, nah, this, this ain't it. <laughs> this ain't going to work, man. We're, we're not staying with this Mooney character. Uh, let, let's go ahead and, and start zoning things off. But, you know, it was there are various types of zones, like quarters coverage, which it looked like they were running a decent bit of, will essentially be something where you have defensive backs getting into a pedal a little earlier as the ball is snapped and as the route combinations begin to develop. And then eventually, as a receiver comes into your area of the field, then it can end up looking, eventually looking like man coverage, but you at least have zone eyes in the backfield where you can begin to drive on routes. And it did look like that Justin Fields started to hold the football a little bit more once they started to zone things off a little bit more in the second half. And also, it did make it a little more difficult for him to escape, for running lanes to become more apparent. And like he talked about a little bit after the game, you know, his muscles were maybe cramping up a little bit more. It's warm in there. We haven't necessarily seen the Bears in that environment as much. And he wasn't the only one who looked like, you know, was having some, some soft tissue cramping going on there. So, all right, if you ain't got your legs, if you're not moving quite as well as you once were, then how are you going to do it? How are you going to be able to defeat the opposing defense? And the Bears weren't as effective throwing the football as they would have liked to have been. Put 24 points on the board. We'll get back out to the phone lines in one moment here, 312-644-6767. I do want to make sure, though, as I'm taking you up to Sunday night football coverage here on the score, between the L.A. Chargers, Kansas City Chiefs, you will hear that pregame coverage coming up later on this hour. But I do want to make sure I give Valus Jones a little shout-out because he is a, a player, a young player, a rookie. Yes, a 25-year-old rookie, but still a young football player in his first year in the National Football League. And Valus Jones had a, a nice response, and – I was referencing this on the pregame show a bit today. This morning, just in, in whether or not we would see, and we ended up you know, learning with some certainty while Mully, Patrick Manley, and myself were on the air, that, yes, Valus Jones was going to dress, he was going to be active for the game, and have an opportunity to play in the game against the Atlanta Falcons. Not only did he play, but the very first time he got his hands on the football was able to, to have a big 50-plus yard kickoff return to the opposing side of the 50-yard line. He put the Bears in plus territory. 
on their opening touchdown drive of the game. Nice response from him. But what's key in that moment? What really stands out that a lot of folks probably aren't going to talk about because it wasn't as obvious, it wasn't as apparent. But Valus Jones did a nice job covering punts and kicks as well. Now, you know, from a special teams perspective, you had a you know missed 56-yard field goal. That's a, a decision that I'm, I'm sure Matty Refluse may get asked about that again uh, tomorrow when he addresses the, the Bears media. And then you had the, um, you know, you had the kick return touchdown by Cordero Patterson. But on that opposing sideline, you have a player in Cordero Patterson who may be the model for what Valus Jones' career can try and see if it can track in that direction. And not only as a returner and as a gadget guy in this offense, because he may or may not, you know, he, he didn't necessarily in college develop into a big-time high-level wide receiver. So it could be a stretch to think he's going to turn into some big-time, you know, big-play, high-level receiver in the National Football League. But, man, is he good with the football in his hands. We saw that on that first kick return opportunity he had today, but also the fact that Valus Jones, on the forced fumble on the punt return, DeAndre Houston Carson forces that fumble on the punt return. The first player to make contact with the return man in that scenario was Valus Jones. In punt coverage, he was the gunner on the Bears punt coverage team, made the initial collision with the return man, didn't make the tackle, but did get a hit on the return man. He runs through Valus Jones initially, and then moments later, here comes DHC knocking the football out. That's huge for Valus Jones because he certainly does have the physical dimensions, the speed. The question is, does he have the tenacity? to cover punts, to cover kicks? Can he have his wherewithal to do it properly in the way that uh, that Coach Hightower is coaching his coverage teams to do? That will matter because if you do that, think back to the the couple of seasons that Cordero Patterson was here with the Bears. Not only was he this explosive return man, but also he was a demon covering punts. Maybe Valus Jones. That, That may be a path for Valus Jones to be something really effective for the Bears. And who knows, perhaps even special, because he's got special physical traits for it. And you hear the Bears coaches talk about some of the the special work ethic and maturity that's there also. I know very quickly around town, he's muffing punts early in the season. Folks are immediately out on Valus Jones because the only thing you're seeing is him dropping punts on the ground in really difficult weather circumstances. Hey, that's on his resume. But again, he's a rookie. So there's no reason to be out on a rookie because he was ineffective in some key spots earlier this season. 312-644-6767. Let me get back out to the phone lines here. I see Kent is out in Florida. Want to talk some Bears. What's happening, Kent? What's going on, man? What's up? Hey, I was at the game. Pretty upset, obviously, you know. Um, so got some thoughts on Lou Getty. Um I think the guy's been getting, you know, Somewhat a free pass because Justin's been so explosive the past couple weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the guy's just running the ball all the time on first and ten. Um, doesn't really expand the field. Seems like we're not doing, you know, any quick slant. Um, and these wide receiver screens, I mean, they're not working. You know, I, I don't think we should. I think we should scrap that. And um, and then another thought. I'll hang up and listen. Is uh, you know, a lot of times I'm seeing Mooney, Claypool, and uh, and I like Billis Jones. You know, I think we need to get the ball in this guy's hand. You know, he is fat. What are we doing? You know, we're out here with Pringle, Pettis. Like, these guys can't get separation. 
you know. So that was just pretty upsetting. And, uh, oh, and last thing, right, Justin's been on fire. You know, we win the coin toss. Why are we deferring to our defense, man? We can't stop anyone. All right, man, hang up. <laughs> I appreciate you, Ken. Uh, yeah, that's a good call there. And I would say that I, I think the evaluation of Luke Getze is ongoing. What I would say, though, to one of the points Kent, the caller down in Florida who said he was at the game today, one of his points he was making there was essentially feeling like Luke Getze is, is maybe getting a pass or maybe getting overrated. He didn't use the word overrated, but essentially his point was that maybe Luke Getze has been a little overrated up to this point because Justin Fields himself has run the ball so effectively that it kind of makes Luke Getze look better, has made Luke Getze look better as a play caller than what he's actually been up to this point. I would say this. All these guys, all the ones with first time in front of their name or young, inexperienced as a part of their current resume, I, I think it's fair for the jury to continue to be out on them. Uh, Lou Canell has asked me during Bears postgame live today about evaluating the job Matt Eberflus is doing up to this point. Matt Eberflus, as a first-time head coach, like I think he's shown himself as a good football coach, a, a good defensive coordinator and defensive play caller over the years. I like the signs of what I'm seeing early on here from Matt Eberflus as a head coach, but still very early. So, I, you know, I think the jury can still rightfully be out on that, and I would put Luke Getze in a similar category. But what I don't think should be underappreciated, and I think Kent from Florida was underappreciating that it's not as easy just to scheme up the run game as a lot of folks just sort of anticipate that it is. We, we tend to think that, you know, if you're scheming up open receivers and you're scheming up a high volume of passes, then that's what qualifies you as a genius play caller when in actuality, scheming up the run effectively is something that Luke Getze has done at a high level this season. Frankly, even before this stretch of games here with Justin Fields has been ripping off these chunk runs over and over again as an individual running talent, Luke Getze was scheming up a, a nice run phase for the Bears even prior to that when David Montgomery early in the season and Khalil Herbert at certain stretches were putting up nice rushing numbers. The Bears have been the top rushing offense in football for the vast majority of the season. It's gone to another stratosphere now that Justin Fields has become such a, a deadly runner and a, a vicious sort of open field playmaker. But even prior to Justin Fields sort of taking games over in the way that he has over the past handful of games, the Bears run game had been getting schemed up effectively by Luke Getze in a volume running approach, but with a lot of eye candy and creativity to it. And now we're just seeing that evolve and expand in, in the way the quarterback is used. I think there's a valid case to be made here, and a couple of callers have make, made it uh, on the post-post show here, that maybe Luke Getze is getting to a point where he's leaning on that too much, perhaps. It's a, it's a difficult balance to walk, I believe. But you're facing that Falcons defense. You're facing a defense that hadn't been effective in sacking the quarterback. And then the Falcons get into the game today against Justin Fields and that Bears pass protection. And suddenly, they can rush the quarterback. Where did that come from? Falcons get four sacks. Bears get none. And the Falcons actually had, I believe, less sacks uh, coming into the game, coming into the game uh, on the season than the Bears did. And suddenly they come out with four sacks and the Bears have zero there. So there's a lot of factors that go into the way those things get called. But to the late game portion of it, really the second half portion of it, seeing the, the amount of QB runs when it had been ineffective, yeah, I think that's, that's certainly worthy of question. I would imagine Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze will, will be taking a look at that moving forward here. 312-644-6767. Let's get back out to the phone lines. Daryl is on hold right now on the Post Post Show. What's happening, Daryl? Hey, and how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Great, great. Listen, I, I don't think that Getze 
yeah, I don't like the game he called, but I don't think he or Fields trust the offensive line for passing because, you know, whenever we face a stud defensive tackle, it's a wrap. Mm-hmm. It's a wrap. And, and I don't believe uh, Mr. Fields really trusts his offensive line. And I think um, the, the offense that they uh, designed is for Fields to uh, take care of himself you know, by running and, and scrambling and yada, yada, yada. And, and I think it's catching up uh, to Getsy now, the, the, all the scrambling. And so we, we, we just don't have the dogs on the offensive line or the receivers, you know, that can, that can get open. And uh, he, he, he's, he's, he, he's looking down at the line, I think, when he's in the pocket. He made a great throw to Montgomery, a great throw to uh, Cole Commit over the middle. I mean, spectacular throws, and, and that was a great catch. And but but I think Getsy can scheme up throws for, but we don't know if he could. The offensive line can consistently block for him. And Kevin Jenkins, he he was still hurt. The coach said it. He was for emergency purposes, and so that's sad. If you have to have a guy on the sideline and you're going to put him in for emergency purposes when you had a le- you know Leatherwood inactive that. That tells you they don't have the horses on the offensive line. I feel you, Daryl. I do. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. The the offensive line is you know certainly is worthy of continuing to be a valid concern here as we watch the Chicago Bears. While at the same time, it all sort of it, it, it's all blended together because the offensive line has been the offensive line and tight ends and wide receivers. The run scheme and run blocking for the Bears have been very effective, and they've been able to scheme their way into some chunk pass plays, partly because of how effective they are running the football and the volume of runs that come off of that. And so to the early season questions that were there about why the Bears' passing attack hadn't grown and why we weren't seeing chunk plays in the passing game because they'd been so effective running the ball, you anticipate that the passing game should grow off of that, and we've begun to see it, while at the same time, you do still have, you know, where Riley Reef, yeah, he struggled a bit at times today, probably of the, I think, three games now that Riley Reef has started. Today may have been his least effective of those, you know, before I go back and take a second watch of, of the game film. But I'd say, yeah, we, we saw Riley Reef perhaps struggle a little bit more in today's game than he had in the first couple of starts that he's had. Michael Schofield right now, that, that's what you're working with. You know, Alex Leatherwood, as I've talked about, he increases, enhances the competitive depth of the offensive line room, but – as soon as the Bears sign him after the preseason's over, he gets mono. Who knows? You know, every every athlete that I've covered who ends up dealing with mono takes weeks and weeks where you're losing weight and you you're low in energy. I've never had the kissing disease myself, fortunately, but every athlete I know who's in the I don't know if Tyler Butaboff if he's dealt with the kissing disease before or not. I've never had a, a bout with mono. Tyler, have you, have you ever had any bouts with mono in your day? I cannot say I have. I've okay. had friends that got mono, but that yeah. I was the clean one. Okay, good. Yes, I, as was I. As was I. So, I mean, anyone who's dealt with mono out there, I hope you got through it eventually. But Alex Leatherwood, in dealing with mono, I can only imagine how the the way that you lose weight, the way that you lose energy, and you're trying to play offensive line in the National Football League, that could be an issue. So, I'm not shocked that Alex Leatherwood hasn't played yet. Do I anticipate him seeing the field before the end of the season? I do. Because they, they're, just, they're in this developmental and evaluation sort of mode and Tevin Jenkins was willing to at least dress for the game and be prepared for an emergency scenario. But 
a guy who for chunks of the season was viewed as the Bears' best offensive lineman as a right guard. It's nice to have him dressed. Maybe it means he's close to being able to return to the lineup. And we had the discussion about Jalen Johnson throughout most of the week last week. I got to talk to Jalen Johnson with Speaks on Monday. You know, it, it can bring about some questions of whether or not when you're a player and you're banged up and you're trying to work through it and play through it, the expectations won't change. So a banged up Tevin Jenkins trying to take on Grady Jarrett, the Bears obviously felt like they were better off with Michael Schofield out there as opposed to a banged up Tevin Jenkins trying to take on Grady Jarrett. But those things end up factoring into that game plan as well, where I would imagine Luke Getze as the offensive play caller is doing what he can to try and continue to keep the defense off balance to – uh, to our, our last caller's point, that in some ways you're trying to protect Justin Fields, you're trying to protect and take pressure off the offensive line as well. But in that scenario where you're trying to go win the game, then maybe some more aggression would have been fitting. Three one two six four four six seven six seven. Let's let's hit up Chicken Man on the west side here. Chicken Man trying to get involved with the post post show. What's happening? Hey, thanks for my call, man. Hey, this is a pleasure and an honor. I just want to talk about the offensive defense for a quick second. With Justin Field, the way he's playing right now, I think a trip left, trip right, quick plays. You got to give Claypool at least three, four plays out of the week. And that number 12 guy, if you give them quick plays, that can take a lot of pressure off Justin Field. And defense, you got on third down, we got to be more aggressive on third down. I mean, what's the lose? You, we, we don't put enough pressure on a quarterback that's not mobile. So I think if we're more aggressive on third down, third down is killing us. It's killing us. If you look at the last three weeks, if we stop a couple plays here and there, you know, we're going to make mistakes. But if we be more aggressive on third down, we can win a lot of more games and get better. And one more. Who you think more excited to watch? Would you watch Fields or Hester? With two, with them two guys, what I tell you. Oh. And I got Fields. That would that be nice? Who would you pick? <laughs> so I, I guess just talking about them running in the open field. I mean, man, Devin Hester was fun to watch. See, there's a lot of factors in that one, Chicken Man. That is a very, very interesting question. I guess who would you prefer to watch? Who would you take in the open field? It's kind of an open field runner. You know, Chicken Man said he'd take Justin Fields. I don't necessarily – I don't have any issue with that. I don't think you can go wrong either way. But if you're forcing my hand to pick one of them, I don't know. There's Part of it is probably just my straight excitement over just what, what I believe we will continue to see from Justin Fields. I suppose I'll take Justin Fields as well, Chicken Man. 312-644-6767. Let's try to squeeze in another call or two. Before we get out of here, leading you up to Sunday Night Football coverage. And, of course, tomorrow is a Horizon Therapeutic Bears Monday here on The Score. Let's head out to Rockford and talk to Mike. What's happening, Mike? Hey, Anthony. How are you? Good, man. Listen, man, I want to vent. I'm, I'm really pissed off with this. Um, and if you could leave me on for one minute. I'm inside of a store, so I want to be able to listen to the, um, to the basic uh, you know, reply to what you're going to say, okay? I'll um, do my best. Let's see what I, you got. I, I'm really ticked off with the Bears offensive coordinator Luke Gutsy because this guy this kid Justin Fields isn't going to last in this league he was I mean the guy was limping around he was getting hit he was getting sacked I mean he was he was right in the pocket the pocket was collapsing and his hamstrings he's getting his hamstring hamstrings massaged on the sidelines and the next very play they're running him again and and he goes out and, and hurts his shoulder what, what what is wrong with them this is the 32nd ranked pass defense that the Atlanta Falcons have. And 
they threw the ball how many times? This is unacceptable. And, and how, how is this kid going to survive in this league? This is his second year in the league, and under Getsy's regime the first year. They play him like this. He's not going to make it through two, three years in the league. He's going to be killed. I understand. But look at Cam Newton. Okay, that's a prime example of what happens to players that run the ball all the time. I know this is a new hybrid offense, man, and these quarterbacks, you got Jalen Hurts, you got Patrick Mahomes. I know this is the new league. This is a new quarterback. This is the quarterback of this 22nd century, but come on, man. I mean, they got to do something. This guy, this kid's not going to last. I, I, the play calling sucks. I don't- all right, so it certainly sounds like uh, there, there's a lot of concern there, and I, I get it, man, but the, the thing is, Either way, because when, when they drop back to throw the ball, like Justin Fields credited with 21 pass attempts in the game today. He was 14 out of 21, so you know, he, can, he ended up with a passer rating of 84 for whatever that's worth. But you know, it took four sacks. There were also some scrambles in there. So Luke Getze, in my estimation, is calling a fairly balanced offense. Now, I think the, the late-game QB runs, do, especially doing that back-to-back plays, that was surprising. That was certainly ineffective, and I think it didn't, it didn't even take into account what the second half of the game looked like. And that's where, to me, I think Luke Getzey has been pretty effective up to this point in sort of tracking the flow of the game and sort of calling it in a way that suits what's been effective up to that point. I don't think he did that on that last offensive series. But on the whole, running Justin Fields a good bit, I think I've described it in good detail, why? Between the quarterback, the offensive line struggles in protection, the receivers who still at this point feel you know fairly ineffective as far as how, how frequently they separate. All those things are factors in why we're not seeing a higher volume of pass play. And yet again, we did see the Bears put up points and mount some drives on offense. So it's all growing. I understand frustration and folks want greatness. You want to get to that finish line right away. We got a ways to go. Six games this regular season, an offseason of reshaping, revamping things, and, of course, you have all of next year. But this is a very long-range, long-term view and the approach the Bears are taking. All right, so my show with you was a little bit short tonight. You can check me out later this evening. I will be with Luke Canellis over on Fox 32 on the Sports Zone. And, of course, tomorrow I will be a part of the Horizon Therapeutic Bears Monday. I'll be on with Dan and Lawrence on Bernstein and Holmes at 11 o'clock, breaking down what we saw from today's Bears game. My thanks to Tyler Butabaugh for holding it down for me on the ones and twos. I'm Anthony Heron on Twitter and Instagram at Big Ant Heron. Sunday night football coverage is next between the Chargers and the Chiefs on Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 